Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Dr. Amanda Miles is an OBGYN podcaster and life coach for fellow OBGYNs. She experienced burnout early in her career and now hosts a podcast called The Happy Gynecologist, where she helps other doctors beat burnout and overwhelm. You can find more about her and how to work with her at www.coach-miles.com. And before we jump in today, I wanted to tell you and remind you about my 2022 Unconventional Professionals Mastermind that starts January 15th. It is for you if you have either a side hustle or passion project or really just a dream or a goal that you feel a little bit worried about admitting to those around you. The point of the mastermind is you come in and you are supported and empowered by other physicians who think like you, who have dreams like you that maybe are unconventional or quote unquote weird or unique. The best part of the mastermind is that we get a chance to discover your gifts and then give you the permission that you don't really need, but we all feel like we must have it to show our authentic selves. It includes too many things to list here, but the things that I'll mention to you are the more tangible things, like it includes an in-person retreat and a free virtual assistant for the year. So you can find out more at www.consciousinmedicine.com forward slash mastermind or click the link in the episode details. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk with you. As I mentioned in the intro, we have a lot in common. So I always love talking to other OBGYNs and people who love coaching and all the things. So let's just get started. And why don't you tell me what comes up for you? when we talk about imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on today. Um, so I spent some time thinking about this before we had this interview and I think that there were two main parts in my, in my life really, where I felt imposter, you know, syndrome-ish, you know, and a lot of self-doubt And probably the first one of those was just like going to med school. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, uh, I grew up in a small town. Um, nobody in my family was a physician. I, um, had originally slated, you know, I was going to be, you know, I was going to be a veterinarian. That's what I told my family and I grew up on a farm. And so that was like, like their dream for me, my family's dream. And so, and somehow that morphed into physician and, um, once I got to med school, I had, I, you know, had the realization that I was very unlike my peers. Um, and so I was from a small town. I didn't know any doctors personally, or I wasn't related to anybody. I didn't have a trust fund, you know, not that I, you know, you know, not that I judge anybody that has that, like I would have given anything to not have the debt, but, um, you know, and so I think that that was, um, kind of the first time that I have a lot of self-doubt and I really struggled with that, like feeling like I didn't belong. Um, and so I, I definitely struggled with that, especially during the first two years. Um, and just like finding a, a group of friends or finding like how I fit in, um, was, was difficult for me. Um, and normally I'm a pretty friendly laid back person, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, it was, it was definitely um, showing up in a negative way for me there. 
the second time that I really saw it come out, you know, so I kind of got over that, went to, uh, you know, went to residency, found my people, you know, um, and then after I got out of residency, I went to a small town and uh, in rural Oklahoma, and it was essentially, it was my dream job. Not many people dream of that, but it, for me, it was. And so I was at this rural hospital and I got pregnant with twins unexpectedly. I mean, pregnant expectedly, but unexpectedly too. And, you know, that's not a big deal, but then I was diagnosed with cervical insufficiency, uh, 22 weeks. And so I guess for the non OB people out there, my cervix was measuring a few millimeters thick where it should have been a few centimeters thick to hold in my pregnancy. And so that meant that I had to go inpatient to the hospital and basically abruptly leave my practice. And so I, where the imposter syndrome came in was then this kind of like feeling of like, what am I, you know, what, what's my purpose and who am I? And do I even have a purpose um, whenever I wasn't working? And then once I came back from all of that, and so I was off work from 22 weeks until 36 weeks, you know, I left my pregnant, I had pregnant patients due like that week. I had post-op patients in the hospital the day I went to the hospital, you know, I had a pediatrician friend rounding on my patients to send them home. And so everything was very abruptly stopped in my life. And the hospital administration was very unhappy with the situation as I was, I mean, I, I totally get it. They were losing a lot of money and um, ended up having to shut down the labor delivery floor. Um, and they handled that poorly through a lot of emails. And so whenever I returned to work um, after three months of bed rest and then three months of maternity leave with the twins, I felt so much imposter syndrome, probably way more, you know, like quadruple what I felt in med school of like, you know, they don't, nobody knows, you know, uh, you know, nobody thinks I'm good, or if they find out I'm not any good, or um, kind of a lot of those self-doubt thoughts. Um, you know, what am I doing? I'm, I'm, you know, taking care of all, you know, these babies, and I, how am I even functioning? Am I functioning? And like, what if they find out I'm not functioning well? You know, that kind of thing. So, it, that was probably the pinnacle of it at that point in my life. So, I've definitely been there. <laughs> Yeah. And I, and that's, I mean, certainly that's dramatic, right. To go through that and to really right. kind of question your, who you are and your identity. And I think so many of us can relate to that. Like we go into medicine and, and all we are is doc, you know, just all we know right. from ourselves is we're a physician. And we're, when we can't be a physician, <laughs> it can be devastating to be like, yes. well, if I'm not a doctor, then who am I? So I think that's, mm-hmm. that's a fear that many of us share. So what, eventually changed for you where you, you know, were able to either turn the corner or. I knew that like going back was going to be very hard. Um, And I knew that I was going to have to kind of quote unquote, put up a fight um, to protect myself. So it it almost evolved into this self-doubt from self-doubt into kind of almost swinging the other way, but like angry. (laughs) So then I was like an angry duck, you know? And so that wasn't healthy either, you know, where I was like, you know, like 
whatever, like I'm, I'm a bad bitch. I'm here. I'm not listening to you kind of thing like that. That sounds awful to like admit that, but like, I kind of had to put up this facade Mm. of like, don't mess with me. Don't tread on me. Don't, I had a necklace that was, um, uh, a B um, for OBs, you know, but um, it, uh, I had it inscribed on the back. Um, I don't know if you've seen those t-shirts or anything on Facebook. They're like, um, do no harm, but take no shit. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had it inscribed, like take no shit. And so that was like kind of how I swung. And that's how I coped for the first part was actually just kind of anger. I think <laughs> um, got me out of feeling imposter, but that wasn't very healthy. I don't think, you know, so I, um, became very burnt out, very angry. Um, and eventually I, um, ate my feelings so much that I actually signed up for coaching for weight loss. <laughs> um, and so I found a life coach and weight loss coach and, um, got coached because I was just like in a bad place. I was burnt out and, um, very angry, very unsure of myself, a lot of self-doubt And I was just like eating through all those feelings with all the things all the time. And, um, and I was getting a lot of weight and just not being healthy, not taking care of myself. And so I found a life coach to help with weight loss, but then it helped with all the other stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so you probably know this as well as I do that, that it, it, it is not just for weight. It it really shows up in the rest of your life whenever you start really working with a coach. Um, And so that's, that was the real turning point for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the same way for me. It was weight loss that got that. I tried coaching for weight loss and then I was like, Oh my gosh, this is everything. And it's all history. Um, I, the anger thing I think is really relatable because I think a lot of doctors and especially, you know, OBGYNs where we kind of, it's, there's a lot of women in the field of OBGYN, which is fantastic. But I think we all kind of band together and have to take a stand and say like, this is like, let's stand up for ourselves and let's get treated the way we, we deserve to be treated. But I think that that's easy to turn that into coming up, up, you know, coming and presenting ourselves with anger. And what I've learned and and probably you can speak to too, is that for so many people, anger is fear. And that's just, it's a, it's a protective, it's a boundary that it feels safer to feel angry than it does to feel fearful. So looking back now, what were your fears then? And how did you overcome them to get rid of the anger? Right. hundred percent, hundred percent fear. Um, I relate to that so much. You're so right there. Um, so the fears that I had, you know, I think I began realizing that I was coming from this place of, um, I'm scared. They're all going to find out that I don't have my shit together. And sorry, I don't know if we're allowed to cuss on your yeah. podcast. That wasn't yeah. very nice. Um, <laughs> just comes out. Sorry. Um, so I was I was scared that they were going to figure out that I didn't I didn't have it all together because this was probably the first time in my life whenever I'm trying to juggle a solo practice and newborn twins and then a, a three year old as well. So I mean, a, a full family um, that I didn't feel like I was able to keep up the appearances of like kind of perfection, um, Mm -hmm. really. Um, So a lot of perfectionism 
in my life had, had, you know, I, I had been like trying to at least keep up the appearance of that perfection. Um, even though underneath, like nothing is perfect. We know that. Right. Um, but I had this fear now that it was very obvious. And I, I think that that's what really drove the anger or that kind of scorned woman, um, mm-hmm. thing, um, that I was like exuding at that point. And so, yeah. And so then to, to work on that, like just realizing um, that, yeah, like I, I was scared and I was, um, I was having a lot of feelings, but at that time I was eating all my feelings. I was, I was just like eating my feelings, probably drinking too much wine, probably like I was using other things to just like stuff all the feelings down. And so I wasn't actually in touch with that. Like I had no idea I was feeling fear. I had no idea that I was even feeling anything at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that really actually getting in touch with the emotions of it and letting myself feel upset um, Mm -hmm. or even just feel disappointed with how things were going was really key almost for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think just as human beings, we have a hard time with that, with all of that stuff. Like we think that we have to always have our shit together or especially as doctors, it's like, if we don't have everything together, then no one's going to trust us. Right. That's the fear. But when you you think about the things you just said, like you had a high risk pregnancy, you have a private practice, like all the Mm -hmm. other things that you're doing, like no one is going to have their shit together. Like, right. Oh yeah. It's right. like, so, it's so crazy. But yet if, if we don't have that appearance, like we're not the one like superhuman who can have it, right. then we must not be good enough. So it's like these huge extremes that oh we all gosh, torture yeah. ourselves with these things. And yes. I think that something that I feel really strongly about is just like, let's just revert to our humanity for a second. And it's just mm-hmm. all like be whoever we are going to be. And sometimes it's a huge mess. Right. And that for, I think that there's a fine line to walk, but you can be like a normal human and professional like you. Right. <laughs> and in many ways for me, I think that it makes me a better doctor to admit those things that I, you know, I struggle with in a professional yeah. way, mm-hmm. either with my colleagues or my patients or just out in the world. And I think that the more that we do that for ourselves, but then also allow other people to do it and to not judge them, which is easy for us mm-hmm. to do naturally. Like we just want to judge people. As, yeah. you know, I, so I think when we can allow that and cheer that on and other people, it's going to get better for everyone. Yeah. And I think you really um, hit the nail on the head with the, like, just getting back to our humanness, our humanity, because I was, you know, as a culmination of all that, of course, I was super burnt out because I'd been trying to achieve perfection. I was overworking and then almost trying to overprove myself once mm-hmm. I returned to work um, to basically prove that I was like this badass that had it all together. I could do it all. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't, I wasn't even meeting my basic human needs. Mm-hmm at that point, um, for sleep, for healthy food, for rest, like that was no, like I wasn't doing Mm -hmm. any of that. And so that just kind of led to this like spin out of burnout, um, 
that that's just kept kind of snowballing. And I think that, yeah, getting in touch with humanness and realizing mm-hmm. that that perfection is not ever attainable for any of us. You right. know, nobody's perfect, right? And right. there's no reason to, to, to think otherwise or try to achieve that, really. I mean, yeah. You know, we can do all of all of us. We can just do our best, right? Exactly. So. I think that for me, what helped to overcome their perfectionism, and of course, it still will sneak in because it's sneaky. But yeah. it's just that perfectionism is is so. It's almost like you can hide fear in there too, right? Because if I say that I'm, if I'm, if perfectionism is the goal, then that means that I don't have to. I can try to hide my shame in there. I can hide my right. authenticity in there, right? Instead of just mm-hmm. recognizing that I can't be perfect, but I can strive for excellence and maybe that's better. I just wanted to comment on something that you just said too, because I thought it was so good. This is so interesting, right? Because we do this so much. It's like that we are better if we don't need to sleep, if right. we can get away with not needing a break, if we don't need vacation. It's like, I don't know if this was your in your case when you were a resident, but it was like almost you weren't supposed to talk about having an easy shift. Right. It was like if you had to say like your shift sucked and mm-hmm. how awful it was as like a badge of honor. Badge of honor. And if you admitted yes. that you had like a decent shift, then they'd be like you're weak mm-hmm. or or yeah. something was wrong with you. And right. it's like, so what did fascinating. You do with yourself, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I brought that into my first, my job as an attending. And I remember I had one partner, she's still my partner now. And I would like ask her like, oh, how was your shift? And she's like, oh, it was awesome. I was, I got some sleep. I was like, I don't think you're supposed to admit that to me. Like, I think you're right. supposed to tell me that it's bad and all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was, it's totally, totally changed my perspective because then these questions came up and it's like, why aren't, why aren't we like applauding the people who get eight hours of hours of sleep and who have boundaries that are strong and that they uh-huh. uphold. It's like, it's right. totally backwards. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, when you mentioned that, it's like, yeah, like that's kind of how we were quote unquote raised in medicine. Yeah. yeah essentially our brains were socialized and conditioned to believe lots of things like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not working hard, you're not, being good. You're not a good doctor or, um, yeah. Like if you have an easy time, then, Oh, what were you doing wrong? Or what Mm -hmm. was, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, there are a lot of those kind of subtle, um, kind of the way we were socialized and the way that medicine is, is socially as, as its own, like micro society or microculture, it is like that, you know, and it, and those are some of the things that, um, that I now coach a lot of people on is these are these kind of beliefs that we are taught, quote unquote, growing up through medicine that then lead us to overwork or not rest or not take care of ourselves because we believe that if we do those things, then we're not worthy or we're not a good doc or mm-hmm. we're not doing what we're supposed to. We're not doing a good job, you know, and it's 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 interesting to see some of that on a deeper level, but it is, it is unfortunately true in many cases that we have been kind of brought up that way, you know? Yeah. So what are the most common themes or thoughts that come up for you when you're coaching other people about self-doubt? Cause I'm sure mm-hmm. that that's a common theme. So mm-hmm. I think it's worth it bringing up because the thoughts are probably common thoughts that everyone 
who listens also has. So can you think of some of the most common ones? Yeah, probably the most common that I hear. So I primarily coach other OBGYNs. um, And so probably the most common thing that I hear from OBGYNs is that, um, that it all surrounds call and having a lot of self doubt about, well, I don't know what's going to come in, if whether mm-hmm. I'll be able to handle it or not. Um, something bad might happen and I might not know the answer. Or um, there might be something like a really complex or emergent case and I might not be good enough. And then everybody will find out mm-hmm. and then the nurses will know and then they'll, you know, then I'll lose my job or I'll lose my patients, you know, like it, it kind of spirals out. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think, I think a lot of it, honestly, um, kind of comes from this, you, you know, as an OBGYN, like it, it, whenever it's good, it's really good, but whenever it's bad, it's really bad. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of kind of trauma. There's a lot of fight or flight response and our brains can kind of get in this mode, you know, of being in, ready for that fight or flight whenever we're on call that is like a really like an uncertainty, mm-hmm. um, which I think comes from fear of the unknown. Right. Um, and so you kind of touched on fear earlier, um, as being, um, you know, the driver of anger, but I think that, I think that, um, the uncertainty can also drive a lot of fear, um, for a lot of my clients at least. So, yeah, yeah. those, those thoughts are exactly what, what led to my burnout actually. That's, and I talk about that a lot. Is it exactly that dialogue that you just said was what I was like, I can't, live like this. Like right. I cannot practice medicine with these fears. And I didn't know, of course, back then that I was not the only one having those. And that was just kind of a normal right. part of the human yeah. experience, but it, cause it feels debilitating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it truly, it truly, truly does. So something that I talk um, with a lot of my clients about is, you know, what, you know, uh, it, it kind of centers around uncertainty itself. And so whenever we talk about uncertainty, we, we talk about how, you know, uncertainty, a lot of people say, well, I feel uncertain, Mm -hmm. but you can, you can also consider, you know, whenever I'm coaching uncertainty is kind of like a fact of life as well. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a, a circumstance of life. It's part of the human existence. Uncertainty just is like, it is always right. Like we never know what's going to happen, you know, Whenever mm-hmm. I sign off for this call, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, if I um, drive down the street, I don't know what's going to happen. If I'm on call at the hospital, I don't know what's going to happen. And so then working on kind of how we think about that uncertainty, um, you know, especially as it pertains to call um, is key, but also kind of down-regulating that sympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. in conjunction. Um, and so, you know, we talk a lot about like, can we do, you know, things like box breathing or meditation, or are there ways that we can kind of calm our brain whenever it gets into that mode um, to try and stay out of the kind of crazy rabbit holes, what I call mm-hmm. it, you know, like where you're like spiraling down the rabbit hole of all the bad thoughts of what's mm-hmm. going to happen or what might happen, what ifs, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. <laughs> that's such, that's such great advice. And I think the thing that was most helpful for me and continues to be because I hate uncertainty, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is it's hard, a hard thing to hate as a human, do. but yes. it's, it's for my thought. Now my anchor thought is I can handle anything that comes my way. I truly believe yeah. that. 
I have a lot of evidence to support that, like every other doctor does. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is that I, I love that you mentioned that about, you know, putting uncertainty as in the C liner as a fact, yes. right? Because yes. then, then it's just, what do I choose about it? And instead of it, me, instead of us, which is help, so helpful for me, instead of looking out and realizing that I have no control over what happens, I have yeah. no control over what happens when I'm on call. Mm-hmm. But what I do have control over is my response and knowing yes. that no matter what happens, I will be okay. And no matter what how outcomes occur, it has no relationship to my value as a human being or my skills as a physician. And I think it's that uncoupling that is the most powerful thing because it's always this uncertainty and what could happen mean could mean something about me that I don't want it to mean. But when you uncouple that, then the uncertainty is just uncertain and it's not like always comfortable, but it doesn't, it's not devastating to the point where my value is on the line. Exactly. Yes. You have to uncouple that. Um, they're not related exactly. Mm-hmm. Like we, um, you know, I think a lot of this uncertainty or this um, kind of self-doubt or imposter syndrome comes from having had complications. And so, so many times whenever we have a complication or an ad, you know, a bad outcome or how, you know, bad crap, whatever happens, mm-hmm. um, we then make that mean because of how medicine has kind of conditioned us, Mm -hmm. um, we make that mean that we are a bad doctor um, or a bad person or we are not worthy. And so really uncoupling that is totally key. I agree hundred percent. And for me, how I do that is I like to really define, and I have my clients, I say, okay, what's your definition of a good doctor? Mm -hmm. Um, And so my definition, it may be different than yours, but my, my definition is a good doctor she shows up, she does the best she can with what she has. And as long as I'm doing that, Hey, I'm winning, you know, but that also, you know, allows for bad shit to happen and I'm still doing a good job. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm just doing my best, you know? Um, And then the other thing that we talk about is that like, you know, I can still, I can do my best and either, the universe or mother nature or God or all or whatever you believe in is, is still going to determine how the outcome goes. You know, you can show up and do your best, but you can't overcome that, you know, natural force of nature or whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. um, we have to, we talk a lot about that too. So, yeah, those are all great points. And my definition is similar to yours, which is so much easier, so much easier. Yeah. And I, I apply that to being a mom as well. Um, oh, yeah. That's my definition of a good mom as well, because yeah. sometimes it's hard, um, you know, to be a mom and a doctor, but you know, I, I was good. Mom just shows up and does the best she can yeah. loves her kids as much as she can, you know? So yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Amanda, so much for your time. This has been such a great conversation. I yes. appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I, I just look forward to to listening in to more of your episodes. And thank you so much for having me.